What's up, everyone? This is Cody Viafania, host of Corn Stream. Uh, we'll get to episode two with Santos Montano in just a second. But in um, the past week, we've had a lot of new listeners. And so uh, first and foremost, we want to say welcome and hope you're enjoying uh, these episodes, which I think are really great. Um, but uh, we wanted to make two really quick requests um, if you're a new listener. So first and foremost, if you like the episode, if you enjoy our conversations with Santos, if you could take just 30 seconds, find us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our podcast, give us a five-star rating and a positive text review. That would really go a long way in helping more people find us. And then uh, if you are into the show and into the format of the show, we ask that you maybe check out another episode. Um, if you're a fan of the movie The Room, we've got uh, an two episodes with Greg Sestero, who plays Mark in The Room. And then also we have uh, ep- really great episodes with some stand-up comedians. Uh, I would recommend the Sean Donnelly episodes or the episodes with Jerry Rocha, which are the first two episodes of the show. So uh, just a quick request and plea. And uh, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Quarren Stream. I'm Jared Kingery. And I am Cody Viafania. And we are rejoined by our guest, uh, drummer for the band Old Man Gloom, and fellow Muppet enthusiast, <laughs> Santos Montano. Santos, welcome back. Hello, thanks for having me, fellas. Thank. Uh, we we'll, we won't talk Muppets this episode, so... Uh, TBD. We can, we can, well, I mean, if it naturally occurs, we can do that, but... Right. We'll You're going to try as hard as you can to make it naturally occur. <laughs> well, I mean, the, if, if, if he picked my recommendation... There's a lot of uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, ground to cover there. Anyway, um, so uh, you know, you're um, we talked last episode. You are a musician and a uh, um, a film TV production guy, so you don't have anything to do right now. Mm. Um, but being a fan, you talked about um, um, some Danzig music uh, last time. Yeah, on the show, and we uh, we reviewed Danzig's movie. Like two months ago, Cody. Oh when was God. that? Yeah, it was like two months ago. Yeah, and I kind of want. I was kind of curious because for people who don't know and have not listened, you're more than a Danzig fan. You were actually the front man of a Danzig tribute band. That is true. I, I grew up Danzig <laughs> obsessed. So yeah, I'm more than just a Danzig fan. But there are a lot of caveats in there. With, with <laughs> as with all Danzig fans, there's there's a field of caveats when you say you're a Danzig fan. But anyway. do you remember when uh, when there was rumors he was going to play Wolverine? Oh yeah, definitely. It was even in an episode of uh, like Entertainment Weekly. Like they listed the potentials of who were going to play it, and they listed Danzig as, <laughs> as Wolverine. Like it went as far as Entertainment Weekly. I that guess cause just because he's short and had long hair, like yeah, he was short, had big sideburns, and was really into comics. <laughs> that would have been God, fucking insane. It would have been such a beautiful disaster. <laughs> well, speaking of that, uh, have you watched Veronica? <laughs> no, I haven't. I've read mm. a lot. Of, I I almost feel like it's better just reading about people watching it than actually. Wa- I I imagine watching it is is a nightmare. Well, you know, I think so. The best way to describe it is I think that first and foremost, it's terrible. And it is, <laughs> it is confound, like it is just, it is such incompetent filmmaking on every single level <laughs> that you watch it. It's just, Jared made the comment uh, when we were reviewing it, it's that it's almost like Danzig has never seen a movie before. <laughs> but, but like, oh, God. so it's, it's split up into three chapters. In chapters two and three, like chapter three is just repetitive and and boring. 
chapter two is okay, but it's it's like about a stripper and like literally she strips to an entire Danzig song, like an entire Danzig song. But there's I'm some... sorry, can I just say that it's amazing <laughs> that it's split into three chapters? And I'm sure there was somebody on set like, hey, Glenn, you know, they act, this actually is every movie is kind of in acts. And the third act is just like, stop it. We're doing it in chapters. This is my way of the highway. Three chapters. <laughs> well, it's it's like an anthology almost. So, uh, but it it has like a weird through line with like a it's sex and a, horror. A, 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 but it's like a porn actress is like hosting it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a Tales from the Crypt type thing where there's a porn actress hosting. But like, there is something magical in the first act of the movie, the first story, and it is the most bonkers, batshit like unintentionally hilarious thing that I've seen in a long, long time. And I was just, I was just watching it mystified. And I know that like, it is just insane. And we, we talked about it in depth on an episode of our other podcast, but Jared, that first third of the movie is so goddamn funny. It's like about a spider. Um, this, (laughs) this, like this spy, this woman is, uh, what is it? She's, it's like, she's not a porn actress. Is she, she's just a model. In in the know, movie or anyway, in real life? <laughs> in real life. Anyway, she's like, this guy's having sex with her, and what does he want to do? Like he wants to, he wants her to do something. I don't, Fuck, I don't remember. I think they, anyway, he's, she, he's just he's he's trying to take her clothes off, right? Because that that then that's that first reveal of. of oh yeah, 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 yeah. She has eyes. <laughs> her nipples are eyes. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's right. and then one of the eyes cries on a and it drops on a spider and it turns the spider into this man spider thing, a that, super horny spider. There is like so ends up many killing wrongs. Just it's just so every, everything about what you just said is like terrible. <laughs> is it tough um, seeing your like an idol like that get kind of insane? Well, yes and no. I you know. Danzig five is one of the worst pieces of music that's ever existed. <laughs> and so that came after Danzig four, which was like decent. So that, that was, that was like the, I don't remember. It was the mid nineties or maybe the late nineties that Danzig five came out and it was so bad. And then everything after that was unlistenable. So it, it, it's not surprising because he's been so out of touch for so long, but at the same time, like, I, I I was just talking about this, but I I saw him. I a couple of my bandmates have toured with him in other bands, and we saw him on the street in New York a couple months ago. And he was so nice, and it was so like it was the best <laughs> Danzig interaction you could imagine. And as we were leaving, it was like two days before Halloween. We were like ten feet away from him, and he's like, "Hey, happy Halloween!" <laughs> and it, it just like it, it delighted me in a way that I didn't know was still possible. It was like. It was like if my kid, like if Santa Claus came over and was just playing with her for the afternoon. Like it was, <laughs> it was so magical for Danzig to yell "Happy Halloween" to me as like a peer <laughs> on the streets of New York. But yeah, the flip side of that is that he's t- so out of touch. He's he's been Danzig for so long that he doesn't even know how to not be Danzig. So yes, it doesn't. It is hard, but it's also so not surprising. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, it's. Uh... It it seems it's it's a weird thing to me, like because he's famous. He's not like, you know, um, he's not like next level. You know, uh, has to be like 
driven places in a tank famous and right. never was right but yeah just to be that out of touch even at that level of of fame is is a strange thing and i mean it you know probably just is something that's metastasized for so long but it's like yeah. this this movie this veronica movie i mean it's again i mean cody's right i said it it's like he'd never seen a movie before and he takes it totally seriously mm-hmm. Well, there's yeah. this other story, this other Danzig story that actually will very much confirm what you're saying. But again, total like ninth hand story. But <laughs> allegedly he was at a show and his monitor sounded amazing. And he's really like hyper fixated on his monitors. But his monitor sounded, sounded amazing. He either that day had the exact same module bought or he somehow bought the one from the club. And he would show up with this same like mixer for monitors to show and be like this is the one we use with these settings with no understanding that every room <laughs> is different the speakers <laughs> are different this everything about it is completely different in every room that the, the even the idea that one mixer will sound the same in every single room just the idea of that like y- y- nobody would think that that's has any logic at all but Danzig was just like nope this is the one that worked it's gonna work every time and that's uh, that's kind of like with movies you know he's just like nope I know how to do this this is a movie I like I'm gonna do it like that <laughs> you, yeah uh, you know the famous story about him at fun 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 fest in Austin right yeah yeah Jardine are, are you aware of I don't it? think I don't think I'm familiar with this one so I have the article in Rolling Stone open because I was trying to remember the details but basically he said it was too cold he had a cough and he wasn't going to play and then he demanded vitamins French onion soup and a Wendy's chicken sandwich oh yes I heard this story yes <laughs> and then after hours of negotiation negotiation he was supposed to go on at 8 15 uh and then he finally took the stage uh, at 9 with a 10 p.m. curfew <laughs> and uh and then he uh, basically just complained that he was really cold and uh and it said that uh, it, it elicited comments on Twitter that compared it to Danzig karaoke <laughs> yeah. and i think he was like trying to encourage the crowd like they fucked you show up so you should rush the barrier like yeah. i think he was trying to rile them up too as if it weren't his fault and no and did anyone riot cuz i know I tyler so. the creator did that um a it's, few years later the, at South by it says that Danzig encouraged them to riot and protest at something that he caused <laughs> and <laughs> and it says it says that other, some tossed trash but most politely declined to riot <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's got to be like yeah this 60 year old man asked me to riot like i <laughs> yeah. i got to go you you really have to it. check that that movie out though i i do, i do i maybe actually it's a is it available somewhere on for vod I think you you would have to pay for it, which I I, you know that's I I hate to recommend that you pay for it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, I, I like mean it, it's well I'll get a laugh it's, out of it. Right? It's three ninety nine. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's three. It's four that, bucks, yeah. and it's I mean it is laughably incompetent, yeah. and I mean it not in a not in a way like I'm I'm trying to be mean about it. Like it really makes zero sense and looks like. It's like a sub porno level of production value. <laughs> like it, I mean, there's nothing that there's nothing about it that that is is like stylistically cool or anything. Well, and the funny thing about it is that in the third story, he it looks like he actually had some production value, and it's the most boring story of the three. That literally is just someone. It's like a bunch of naked women bathing in blood for like. 20 minutes <laughs> but it's like uh uh 
it looks like um <laughs> it looks like a video you'd see like playing like to advertise Halloween costumes or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. Like I, it I... just doesn't it makes no sense as to why anything is happening, why anything is supposed to be um like scary or sex like there's a lot it's supposed to be sexy, yeah. I think. But it doesn't like I'm just it's just to imagine the crew on this thing, just like the people who had to like execute this like they they had to sit down and have a production meeting with like forty people in a room and do a table read and Danzig had to say, Yeah, yeah, so you know all I can want. I want the nipples to be eyeballs and then spiders are <laughs> gonna pour out. So how do we get on that? And like and somebody I mean, had to like br- have a show and tell and being like, So these are the spiders that are come out of the nipples and these are the nipple tears and uh, you know, like these things happened and I would love to just talk to those people and find out how that happened yeah i mean we um i don't know if cody's told you we uh we're friendly with um greg sestero from the room okay um you are familiar yeah, yeah, with definitely and uh you know he's got stories after stories i mean this is like they hired uh, tommy was so hired real people to do it right like he hired the best he just had no idea what he was doing um, but had the money to hire the best. Danzig is this in the same boat, but he very clearly didn't have the money to hire the best. Right, I'm sure he. Didn't so want it's to spend just his own money. Yeah, yeah. It's just. I mean, it's just a. Ter- I mean, it. There's nothing redeeming about it other than it's hilariously terrible. Yeah, Ugh. it's. There's nothing. As a person who works in production, there's nothing worse than seeing a really overconfident actor directing and being really bad at it. <laughs> it's terrible. And I'm sure just watching Danzig, who, you know, is Danzig, watching him direct is just like, oh, God. Yeah. Um... I mean, but there's it, but you can tell that he doesn't know what he's doing because, like, there's just, like, even, like, the editing of it is really weird and bad and, like, and like every like every single shot ends with like a fade to black and then starts with a new shot like it's just it's just really really weird it, filmmaking it looks like the movies i made in high school <laughs> like it was like like you got a bunch of halloween costumes you got a shit ton of fake blood and that was that's all that's all you had and i mean it's it, it it's uh, yeah i mean it, it's got to be i i'm not a danzig fan or, or nor misfits fan or anything like that so how i have no you? i'm sorry you? i'm sorry um that's a cool logo for the misfits, <laughs> it is a cool logo the, like what's that the what is it the red skull the crimson, what is that thing crimson called skull. crimson yeah. skull that's it um yeah i mean that's probably all anyone knows outside of the real fans anyway um so uh, I have no attachment to it, but yeah, I can see how it would, as a fan, it'd be like, God damn it. Here's this guy that I've, I've, I enjoy his work to a point and it just turns out shit. It's kind of like, uh, Kevin Smith. I was oh, a huge yeah. Kevin Smith fan in high school and college. And then he's just turned out some absolute turds. Yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed a lot of his podcasts too. And I enjoy him as a person, but his, mm-hmm. his movies are, are, are almost unwatchable at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, he seems, I mean, I love hearing him talk. I yeah. Mean, he's, he's funny and smart, but then like when he clearly stopped caring about the movies, like they're just, they just turned completely terrible. Yeah. I thought red state was pretty cool, but and I, I liked red state. Everything after that was like that. I tried to watch the 
Jay and Silent Bob reboot during this quarantine, and I made it probably like not even half an hour before I was like, no, can't, I can't do it. I I was okay with that one. There was actually a little more, like his effort came back a little bit. There is there is some effort in that. I mean, I I don't think it's very good, but there's effort in that compared to Tusk and Yoga Hosers, which are two of the worst movies I've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah. Those are Yoga both- Yoga Hosers is brutal. I mean, it's, again, yeah. I could not get through even like, I don't think I made it 40 minutes in before I was just totally bailed. I don't know we, which one's worse, honestly. I think Yoga Hosers is worse, honestly. I, I t- Tusk is bad, but but like Tusk has that it has the Johnny Depp stuff, yeah. Th- that scene of Johnny Depp and um, Michael Parks like talking in stupid accents to each other, yeah. That almost I almost left the theater. I was <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta go. Nope, no can do. Um, but I, there's some funny, there is some legit funny stuff in, in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I think the Chris Hemsworth stuff is funny. Oh, I didn't, I don't think I even got there. He's like a hologram at a comic con. Ah. And I, and I'm a big fan of Ben Affleck regardless. Oh, and yeah. I, I, he's got a nice little moment in the movie. Oh, did you see Daredevil with Ben Affleck? It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like Daredevil. I <laughs> I, 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 to be fair, I haven't seen it since it came out, so maybe it sucks. But. I haven't. Uh, I was just talking to somebody today about *The Devil* with Ben Affleck, and I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I've ever even seen it. I just really—that's the only thing I can say in that accent, and I say it all the time. So, yeah, Australian Electra, accent, oh, I, or is that New Zealand? It's, it's, yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, more New Zealand mm. than that's uh, a little Reese Darby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, *Electra* sucks. Though. <laughs> I didn't too. even try that one. That I we I watched that one and it was it was god awful. Um, so yeah, uh, anything else, Cody? Before we move on to the kind of crux of this whole thing, I actually have one more Danzig related question. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> great. Let's just listen. If you, if you, you, it was all Muppets yeah, the first time. Say, you didn't want Muppets. You don't want Danzig. This, this is, is my retribution. Yeah. This is payback. <laughs> so okay, so you did the um. Uh, the two minutes to late night cover of snakes of Christ, uh, which was great. And I encourage everyone to go check it out because I think it's one of the best of the series. Uh, One thing I forgot to ask you on the other podcast, but I wanted to ask you is how you feel like your Danzig compares to Jordan's Danzig in the video. Cause Jordan's Danzig is pretty spot on vocally. And I was curious to know what you, how you feel about that. Well, so Pre that cover, Jordan and I and a couple other New York guys um, were going to do a Danzig uh, show, a tribute, like a Danzig tribute show for a friend of his uh, to raise some money. I think he had a friend that had, I can't remember, there was some story and he was kind of down on his luck. So we were going to help him out, maybe a medical condition. Anyway, we were going to do this Danzig show. And so I was going to sing a few songs and play drums on others. Now, I can't. Howling like Danzig is a young man's game and <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. Like I can do it for a few minutes before my voice is completely blown out. So maybe in my heyday, I could have given Jordan a real run for his money. But once I heard his demo, I was like, Oh, he's really good at this. <laughs> so I did some backups and the backups are in there. They're, they're fine. But I, uh, I am, at 42 years old, I'm passing off the torch to uh, of Danzig to Jordan, and I'm I'm out. Maybe I'll do if the if live music ever comes back, I'll do like one or two songs. Nice. Uh, but then it just yeah, my voice can't handle it anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> but in my prime, I really thought I was pretty good. I thought I was good. It's a very specific voice. I mean, it's it's 
it's it's one that you have like if you're doing an impression of it, it you, I feel like you would have to be like spot on if you want to be accurate with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I could in my prime, I could even do. I don't know if you're familiar with the song "Going Down to Die," and it has this real like Danzig, Cookie Monster esque howl in it that is very difficult. But I could, I could pull it off back then. Now, no chance. Hmm. Muppets, again, yeah. Cody. Muppet. Yeah, let's See, not. <laughs> that's where it all coalesces, man. <laughs> Cookie Monster, Danzig, Going Down to Die. We got there. Well, at least we have Danzig sings Elvis that we can. That we can not, all listen to now. Not terrible, I have to say. Is it really? It's not good, but it isn't terrible. <laughs> that's, that's a good high water mark for Danzig yeah, these days. At this point, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, so now that we've got the Danzig out of the way, Cody. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get, get that out like Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the to the crux of this show. Um, last uh, last episode, we recommended uh, a couple of movies to you, Santos. Uh, to watch during quarantine, something you either hadn't seen in a while or had never seen before. You said you wanted something kind of warm and fuzzy, nostalgic. Um, Cody recommended uh, something from 2013. Hey, nostalgic. we said comfort. Uh, <laughs> Millennials, am I right? Yeah, yeah, I know. These goddamn kids Here we go. ruining everything. Um, and then I recommended uh, 1990s Gremlins 2, The New Batch. So, uh, without further ado, Santos, which film did you pick? I am in quarantine, and I watched them both. Oh! This is the first time. I don't know what you guys are going to do in this situation, but I watched them both. Well, uh... So I guess we each get a point, Cody, in our point system. <laughs> you know, or we what we could do is we could just say we'll talk about him, and then the one that made him feel the most uh, comforted and and nostalgic or something like that gets both points, and we'll just put both points on the line for that. Okay, I'm, or I'm down for we that. could just talk about Muppets for another forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my 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 uh, my pick clearly has puppets in it. So. Yes, it does, and actually, yeah, that's that's true. So I don't know if you're ready for that, Cody. There is more puppet so, talk. So I can like so let's can, let's let's spare Cody. So let's spare I'll just do that while you guys are talking. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's let's spare Cody uh, and talk about uh, Kings of Summer first, and what you thought of it. Uh, I thought it was awesome. I yeah. had I had no idea that this movie even existed. I hadn't. I'm shocked that I hadn't heard of it, but it was it was great. And the cast is like, the cast blew me away because it looks like a movie that would be made now with all the most famous comedians that are currently mm-hmm. in movies. But as far as like you know, eight years ago, that it blows me away. I didn't even know you know people like Kumail Nanjiani and. You know Thomas Middleditch. I didn't know these guys were even acting in 2013. You <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, it it totally. I, I was I was blown away. Yeah, I you know the 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 thing about it for me is that that really makes the movie is that it's got like like three dozen incredible one liners that just make me laugh every single time. And particularly, there's a lot of uh, Biagio stuff who is played by Moises Arias. Um, who that character is just like a constant uh like a constant one-line machine in the movie and the script is super funny and i think that again i I don't know how if you felt it this this uh if you felt this way but it's kind of like a really bizarre weird sense of humor that i think like it really leans into it and it doesn't try to be anything else other than like it was written for like for their pleasure and then if you get it you get it and if you don't you don't yeah i 
So one of my other favorite movies, besides the one I re- recommended to you guys, is Bottle Rocket. And I mm-hmm. love Bottle ah, Rocket. And Bottle Rocket yes. is, is like my – that's the one I would say that that's my sense of humor. Like right there is very much what I think is funny. And it this movie, it traveled right along those same lines where there's no jokes. There's no like – there's no – there's not jokes. There's just – very funny lines that are delivered really well kind of like in bottle rocket like there's not one single joke in bottle rocket there's just things that the character is saying and the character is developed in such a great way it it, it's just really funny and i thought this movie was just like that you know i there it just it moved at a great pace and was funny without needing to be really ridiculously jokey Mm-hmm. Which is the complete opposite of Gremlins: The New Batch, <laughs> the, which is essentially like one long joke setup that is absolutely insane. But we'll get to that. Yeah, there's a um, there's a lot of really funny like small touches in um, in the Kings of Summer, like. Like I really love the small details of like they they all have like really shitty patchy facial hair and stuff. Which yeah, that was great. And which it looked is, so bad. It was <laughs> fantastic. It looks terrible. And then there's just like really again funny touches like so like they're they're having their meals and stuff. And then one of the kids gets caught going to Boston Market. And, yeah. And uh, and 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 there's just like a really funny. Um, like a uh, like line about how one of the one of the kids is like I can accept that the chickens are store bought but I'm really bummed out that it's not like it's not corn his pudding. his corn pudding recipe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Well, the Biagio that kid like the, maybe the first and the second scene I was just like this kid is weird. This is <laughs> this kid is off putting. And once you sort of yeah. like ease into that character a little bit, it does he becomes really funny and like you know one of the best parts of the movie but i legitimately was disturbed by him in the first <laughs> his first two scenes i was like i cannot he's, handle this kid's face he's a strange looking dude he's so strange and he's playing he's like playing his eyeballs up he's like he he did an amazing job you know his like f- his physical comedy and his face his it was awesome yeah, there's 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 also he gets a lot of the funny jokes like the ransom letter joke. That that yeah. ransom thing is so ridiculous, yes. but really makes me laugh every time. Jared, I I know Jared is is interesting because Jared doesn't like when I talk about movies incessantly and I talk about this movie incessantly. Where did you fall on the movie? God, you know I don't really remember it. I I, I know I saw it. I saw I it. We I saw wasn't... it together. We were at that screening together. No, I I know, but I God, I just don't remember. Like there's. It's, it, because I remember, I, I remember it specifically because there's one line that you laughed really hard at that I that I remember. Because what is it? What is it? I don't remember. You, please. And Santos, <laughs> this is actually kind of relevant. Where um, where one of the kids has a cast on, and they and they and it's something about making sure to keep the cast clean. And then Megan Mullally goes, "That's what killed Jim Henson." <laughs> Do you guys? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he was coming, fucking coming back to Muppets. <laughs> I don't remember that line, but I think it's funny that you remember I laughed at it. Oh yeah, I ser- I mean, I seriously, I know I saw this movie, and there's like flashes of things that I remember. Like I remember Moises Arias, you know the the weirdness of that character, and I remember Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, but. Like I don't remember Kumail in it. I don't remember Thomas Middleditch. They're really small parts. And by the way, Nick Offerman is really fucking funny in this movie. He is, and he's like the he. I mean, Nick Offerman doesn't have 
in my opinion, the hugest, maybe I haven't seen enough Nick Offerman, but he doesn't have the hugest range. Right. But he is, he does add something to this role that isn't just his normal, like, Parks and Rec role. And it was really good. And it, it like, really played, like, like a very, like, it worked that he felt like a vulnerable, vulnerable dad that was, like, struggling, but also didn't know how to relate to his kids. Like, it, it, it was very effective. It, it, and I think the thing that works the best about it, if you're looking on a level other than just laughs, is just, I think it does a really good job of illustrating how he's becoming his dad. You know, whether that's when they're playing Monopoly in the tree, in like the the tree, the forest house or whatever, and like, yeah. and he's he's again holding a cigar like his dad was in the earlier scene, and right, and 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 then I think it has a really good payoff in like how he kind of manages the situation with the snake towards the end. Definitely. Um, I don't know. I I just really really like the movie, and it's something that you know we talk about comfort, we talk about nostalgia, and, and while it's not nostalgic for me, it's only you know seven eight years old. It's something I come back to a lot of the time when I know I want to laugh. I always go back to that movie and just crack up at the same jokes over and over again. I, I also have to say from that nostalgia, there was like a pain nostalgia for me in that scene when the girls come over and mm. she sort of comes up the ladder and asks yeah. the friend and they go out and they do that cool little gag where they just have the camera on him and then they bring the light up as if the sun is rising just yeah. to illustrate that that he's just been sitting there stewing in that pain for the whole night. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever had your heart broken as teenagers or even adults, mm -hmm. but like that no. visceral, awful okay. feeling of like, you know, something's going on and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And you, it, it was just, it was so, it was, it really hit me. I was like, oh wow, that, that was very effective. So yeah, it was some cool, there was some cool stuff in there. One other thing I'll check before we move on to the next is, is what did you think about like, as like being a prop guy, what did you think about like the, the setting of like the tree, the tree house? It's not really a tree house cause it's an actual house, but like I was really impressed by just kind of like the production design of the house and everything. Definitely. I thought, I thought about it a lot and how fun it must've been to build that because, <laughs> you know, making something like that is really difficult in that you can make something that looks like shit, but you have to make something that looks like shit, but is absolutely safe to put actors and crew in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's like finding that middle ground of making it look really ramshackle and like some teenagers threw it up, but actually make it structural, structurally sound and safe I mean, it must have taken them a long time. They must have had some very talented carpenters just like, you know, I don't know if they were making every single little piece and then piecing it together or if they were actually finding objects and working them into the set. It's really hard. It's hard to know, but it, they did such a good job and it was totally, I mean, I'm not sure if it was entirely believable that it like that they built yeah. a two story structure, <laughs> you know, but it, it. It looked great and it played great in the movie and I definitely was like, oh man, that would have been really fun to work on. And it and it also, uh, notably, I was on board when it opens with Thin Lizzy. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it totally. Like it opens with like Thin Lizzy and some kids playing drums on a pipe. I'm like, oh, yeah. this, is, this is for me. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I actually thought, you know, I saw something else with Thomas Middleditch recently and I was like, God, he plays the same character in every single thing. Yeah. But I actually thought he was a lot. He wasn't that same character in this movie. And he, you know, it had a completely different vibe. And I, I, I was, I was like instantly like, Oh, okay. Sorry, Thomas Middleditch. I take that back. You know, maybe, 
Oh, I was just gonna say real quick, Jared. Uh, there, it's it's got the famous like. Like Hannibal Burris is in one scene and delivers one fucking killer line, like he does in Ca- yeah. uh, Spider Man. He delivers one mm-hmm. killer line and then that's it. He's not in the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I need to I I, I need to revisit it for sure because I, I I mean I seriously don't remember. I, it's so weird. I mean I I there's flashes of it and that's what happens when you get old, man. The cool <laughs> the Kumail scene was really weird too. It, like it, it really felt very shoehorned into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was it was really funny and Is it, that Is this back when Kumail was only like getting like Indian stereotype guys? Yes. He's not Indian. <laughs> yes, there's a joke at at that expense as yeah, well. Okay. Basically. But there's he shows up as a delivery guy and uh and has like a, a an argument with uh with Nick Offerman and then Allison Bree steps in. To she's in it too. She's also really good in it too. Actually, yeah, she's great. Okay, well, um, sounds like uh, you really liked that one, I uh, did. Santos. So uh, let's let's move on to my pick, uh, Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Um, so what did you think of that movie? So having seen it thirty years ago, I saw it thirty years ago, and I don't really remember how I felt about it thirty years ago. I have very strong feelings about it now. It, that movie is absolutely insane. There is, <laughs> it is so completely detached from reality. In like, in even if in a made-up world where gremlins exist, it is detached from that reality. Like they've, they seem like they established some quote-unquote rules, but even just like movie rules about what gremlins are and what gremlins can do. And it feels like they made this movie to just be like, we don't care. We don't care about anything. We want to shove as many gremlin jokes in here as possible. And they, like, there's no, there's no regard to continuity, to (laughs) physics, to, uh, like, any kind of filmmaking and rules of what gremlins can or can't. Like, you know, the whole thing is, like, gremlins can't get west. But there's, there's a scene where a gremlin pops out of a pot of soup. right (laughs) he's in fucking soup right now that is moisture why aren't there like gremlins shooting off of him in every direction but this movie just doesn't care about anything it's just like how do we make a lightning gremlin well we'll just put a picture of lightning on a bottle and he'll drink it and then he's a lightning gremlin well (laughs) well, going back going back to those rules there's a scene in the movie where they're they're doing that thing that every kid did back then being like no wait a minute so what if he gets like a piece of food stuck in his teeth at 11 and then right. it he ends up swallowing it at 12 does that mean he ate after midnight or if he's on a plane like it, it deconstructs the whole thing yeah and, and the only people really playing it straight are zach galligan and phoebe cates right right and and i mean it, it almost it really feels like they threw that scene in there to just be like you know what to hell with you guys we don't care either so yeah. it, it it was it was insane and well it the the like one of the also the one of the disturbing ones was the weird Phoebe Cates like sexual assault flashback. I, I could not wrap my head around like why they put. I mean, it's well, so crazy. Well, okay, you've seen the first film, right? Yeah, of course. So there's that like sad story she tells about her dad, right? Uh, and I, I assume that was the same. I mean, it's a little tone deaf now, yeah, but, uh, I mean, obviously, but like, it's the same sort of thing where she's telling this sad story about Lincoln's birthday or, or whatever right. it is. It's that, so weird. That, that she just gets cut off. Um, uh, I think it, it's, um, 
the director Joe Dante um, was an animator for Warner Brothers for Looney Tunes, and he um, the movie starts with like a little Looney Tunes interlude uh, with Bugs Bunny and Daffy yeah. Duck, and I think that kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. It's it really is just a cartoon. Yeah. Like it really is just a crazy Looney Tunes cartoon. Like there's even Acme stuff like later on in the film. Um it's just it's so bonkers and it's so self-referential. There's a there's a scene where Leonard Malton is talking about the first movie on video and he gets attacked by gremlins. Right. Like now gremlins can just enter realities like they can just <laughs> go into television and I mean I guess they're supposed to be in a studio so but it's it's but then all of a sudden they're in a theater and the gremlins are also in that theater that are showing the movie, which is like, yeah, the, the film breaks. <laughs> it's a painting within a painting. It's, it's so <laughs> insane. The film, the film breaks and the gremlins start doing shadow puppets and like, they do like shitty shadow puppets. And then one of them does Abraham Lincoln right? again. Um, and they're Lincoln reference. Yeah, what is this and, guy's deal with Lincoln? I, I don't know. I, but I don't know. The but other... then Hulk, Hulk Hogan threatens the gremlins in that weird interlude. To like get the movie back on, it's, and he's just sitting there watching a movie. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a kids' movie, right? I mean, and this is the thing that I don't think younger people understand. But these were kids' movies, right? I, I have a like one of the mo- the biggest traumas in my life is I was taken to see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with my kindergarten class in the theater. Ooh. That's insane. <laughs> it, 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 I was really like traumatized. I was like, you know, six years old, five years old, watching a guy get his heart ripped out of his chest, and that was a, considered a kids' movie. But this mm-hmm. is the same thing. Like, it's adorable. There's the gizmo. He's so cute. But then people are getting brutally murdered, like eaten by these things, and it, it's yep. it's just all in the same kids' movie. It's bizarre. yeah. And there's like the the gremlins when they die, and, and it's really gross. Yeah. Like I remember the one of my like the the first memories I have of the first film is the uh the scene in the kitchen where the mom ends up just killing all of them. Right. Like in various ways, like puts one in the microwave and puts another one in the blender and um this film is is it's a lot sillier than the first movie. Yeah. The first movie is is a comedy also, but this one is just so bizarrely silly. Like the the bat gremlin ends up busting through the wall and leaving like a perfect bat symbol logo. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my God. And then one of my favorite scene personally is when that bat gremlin attacks uh, Mr. Futterman. Right. And he, he throws it into cement, like wet cement and the gremlin flies away and like lands on a building and just hardens into a gargoyle. <laughs> it feels, it feels like this movie was written in a room in like a day and a half with a giant mountain of cocaine on the table. <laughs> with just like a bunch of, a bunch of really coked up writers just being like, yeah, man. So, so we're like, what if one of them like gets cement on him and then dries and he's a gargoyle? Oh my God. And they write it down and then they're like, all right, man. So like, what if we like inject one with vegetables and then like peppers pop out of his face and the, it, like nothing, there's no, nothing is continuous. Nothing makes sense. Everything is just like one little vignette. Actually, I was, I, I, I really clocked this one thing where it was like they're doing the musical number and they're spraying all the the gremlins down with a hose in order to kill them, you know, and they're all multiplying. And they cut to one that is covered in suds and has a shower cap on and is going like, (laughs) in the bathtub, you know, and singing this song. And it's this like it's like less than a second and a half of this this gremlin 
But that must have taken like a quarter of a day of shooting. Oh, yeah. And somebody had to fabricate that fucking puppet, get like realistic suds looking on it, put the, you know, the bathtub, the hat. They had to dress the set. They had to light it. Like for that one and a half second shot of this like stupid gremlin scrubbing his back and singing the song, it it took a quarter of a day, you know, and somebody (laughs) probably worked on it for three days getting it ready. It's insane. And there's just dozens of puppeteers. Yeah. Um, you know, all crowded together. Um, you know, you, you see like a, the crowd shot of the gremlins at the end you, and, uh, like, God damn, that's a lot of people yeah, involved lot of people in that lying on their backs, <laughs> sticking their hands up through the floor or yeah, whatever. It is. It's insane that it must've been shooting. That must've been batshit crazy because <laughs> it, like the call sheet must've been, you know, it looked like a paragraph every day and, you know, it's like everything is one eighth of a page. There was like there's, you know, like probably 10 scenes in the movie, but there's like 7000 inserts of gremlins doing weird things. <laughs> it must have, it, I just can't even imagine. And actually, I was thinking about that hallway shot when Phoebe Cates is sort of like there's this long wonder of her going through this hallway and there's just gremlins attacking people through mm-hmm. windows, just popping in at every angle. And again, it's so violent. Like there's gremlins like attached to somebody's face, smashing through a window. You know, somebody has their arm down the throat of a gremlin. It is, <laughs> it is not cute. It's terrifying. But again, this is what we were shown as little kids to entertain us. Well, and, and like, I think it, it, it cuts through it a little because it's, uh, you know, everything that happens to the gremlins, they're all laughing their asses off <laughs> right. when it happens. Um, my, one of my favorite moments um, that's just so insane is the the strange like Busby Berkeley musical number. Yes, that happens near the end with the female gremlin. Yes, like just the the idea that they like someone wrote that down, someone storyboarded it, like you said, someone <laughs> fabricated all those props <laughs> to uh. to do this thing that lasts ten seconds, but it involves this incredible choreography. <laughs> Right. And it's and like that's not even to speak of the fact that like there's one female gremlin and the choice that was made was she's in leopard print and big like <laughs> big red lips and she's hypersexual and her only focus is to land a man and get married. It's like yeah, Jesus well, that's, Christ. This wasn't the fifties. This was nineteen ninety. But that's very that's so Looney Tunes though. That's exactly. that's so foghorn leghorn. Um and like the idea that uh I think the, she she ends up like cornering uh, the Robert Picardo character, right? And uh, like <laughs> forcing him into marriage at the end of the movie. Yeah, like the big joke at the end is that he kind of goes, hmm, "Okay, you know, like yeah. oh, I'm in. it's <laughs> so weird." And the and one of my like the the little touches for the the puppets, like they make her lips like move, like yeah. like she's making a smooching face, like just the I just the engineering of that is uh is you know it's again like you mentioned it's just fascinating that someone did this and this was a big budget warner brothers film oh my god the budget for i I actually would love to know what the budget was it must have been insane it must have been (laughs) absolutely crazy but and it's and it's such a swing too i mean it's a huge difference in the first film yeah yeah, I mean, it left me with so many unanswerable questions. Like, does Gizmo, like, are all Mogwais evil except for Gizmo? Because Yeah, every- why are they all such assholes? Yeah, and does Gizmo, does he know that they're going to be evil? Is Gizmo good or is, like, 
I mean, because Gizmo also makes these de- these decisions to not eat after midnight and not get wet because he knows what's going to happen. So, like, why the fuck does Gizmo have a conscience and none of the other ones do? Is it like, like, uh, like they're kind of products of incest, so they're all just kind of <laughs> off and kind of dumb? Or how is a good Mogwai made? I, I I've got so many questions. Yeah. Um... Yeah. So anyway, so so let's let's wrap it up. What did you think of it? Uh, uh, I thought it was absolutely insane, and I really enjoyed watching it. And it infuriated me, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> well, damn, this is going to be a tough one. So, which <laughs> one of it? Uh, which one of these uh, films, The Kings of Summer or Gremlins Two: The New Batch, w- wins out? Which one made you feel the best? Oh. I didn't know this was going to be a question. I didn't know I had to choose. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this. I think Kings of, Kings of Summer is a really good movie. I think Gremlins is a really fascinating and fun movie to watch. I don't know which one I'd prefer. Because sometimes I want something good, and sometimes I want something really ridiculous and awful. So I think they both tick a box very specifically and individually. <laughs> and... I don't know if I can choose between them. Mm. I mean, I guess I probably have to choose the good movie. Because <laughs> okay. one, one of them is very good and one of them is insane. So <laughs> may, maybe just for the sake of of, uh, of encouraging good filmmaking, maybe I'll say The Kings of Summer. <laughs> oh, man, that was that's probably the closest one we've had, Cody. But I, think, I had I think it so is. much more fun watching Gremlins that, <laughs> and being just like, what? 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 Yeah, there's so much smoking in this kids movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the thing is like uh, those movies from the 80s. Like I remember like there's a long scene in Ghostbusters of, of just Dan Aykroyd with a cigarette hanging out yeah. of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking used to not be that big a deal. Um, You've never seen either of the Gremlins movies, have you, Cody? No, I was I, I was I wanted to try to watch it for prep, but I just didn't have time to watch both of them. And I didn't I figured, it, you know, just knowing a little bit about the new batch. I, f- I figured it probably wouldn't be as, as I wouldn't probably get the full experience had I not seen the first gremlins. It definitely need you. It's definitely informed by right. the, uh, the first one. Yeah. Um, you, you would be, I mean, you wouldn't be lost, but <laughs> you wouldn't appreciate the, like the, the goofy, like callbacks to the first film. And I think that's something I would, I would really appreciate when watching. So I, I just didn't have time this week. They're both on HBO max. Um, the first movie is is kind of um, I always forget which which I don't know if it was the first uh, PG thirteen or that was Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, uh, Temple of Doom. Yeah, I think so. So like, this is one of the first PG thirteen movies. Um, I can never. We, we remember. just I talked we about talk this, about it. which it makes it even. I know we just that talked I was about taken it. Taken with my school in kindergarten to see it. So insane. Yeah, because uh, the PG thirteen movie was re- uh, the first time it was released was in 1984 it looks so like i don't know uh red dawn was the first pg-13 movie in theaters okay yeah oh, i wow. do believe we i do believe we talked about this on something but it was inspired yeah. by 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 gremlins and temple of doom that's what created the pg-13 rating basically oh so the first oh, gremlins is pg rated because this is pg-13 so yeah cool uh well damn i'm 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 upset that i lost to cody but i'm glad you enjoyed it, it, it uh, it's, i mean i think i think this is the best case scenario in which someone watched both movies and, and enjoyed the experience on both movies and uh so i, I mean that's, and, that's about as much as you can ask for 
And I think, you know, Santos, you're uniquely suited to, you know, for something like Gremlins being an enthusiast of, you know, puppets and, and you know, being in the biz of, of knowing, like looking at the production details of it. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely, I mean, there were things in there where I just couldn't. Some of those shots, like you were saying, the ones, you know, the big wide of all the all the gremlins on the floor, the dance number, you know, when they're all just like that, again, that one or where she's going through the hall. It, there's just so many shots where I'm just like, holy, that, that must have taken days, days <laughs> to do. And it just goes in like three seconds and it's over, you know, and they must have, it's, it, it just blew me away. And actually it was a New York movie. I looked for, to see if I knew anybody that worked on it, but. Oh, yeah. No luck, unfortunately. That's a long time ago, though. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I know a lot of guys that are like, yeah, I did Ghostbusters. No big deal. <laughs> That's exactly how I would hope someone talks about Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, like, basically. I worked with the fucking Ghostbusters. Oh, man, I'll tell you. One day I was over there working on trading places. This guy had me on a ladder painting cables. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, those, those stories are like nonstop. Trading places. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Well, this was a lot of fun, Santos. Thanks yeah, a lot no for uh, for in, indulging us. Hey, and hey I'm we, glad ain't, you... we ain't done yet, bro. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, shit. One more movie to talk God about. God damn. <laughs> I, I'm totally, we talked about two movies, and I thought... So you recommended uh, a film to us that we both watched. Yeah. Joe versus the Volcano. Yeah, so what did so, you guys think? Um, I had seen it before. Um, so I'm going to let Cody go first. I'd seen it years and years ago and I remembered a lot of it. Yeah. So Cody, you hadn't seen it. Yeah. This is my first time watching it. Uh, I'm going to start off by referencing something that five people are going to understand, which is, uh, it finally gave me context to an old radio commercial that used to play incessantly here in San Antonio, uh, for a shitty club called Joe's Volcano. And, uh, <laughs> and this radio ad used to always contain the line, take me to the volcano. And I never understood it until uh, I saw this movie. So um, as 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 said by Tom Hanks, it was the actual movie clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so they would like play that in the radio. Perfect. Classic radio ad. <laughs> and I mean, it was like a ghetto ass. <laughs> I, is it still around? I, I, I checked earlier. It's 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 renamed as something else. But there was like I, I when I pulled when I searched the name, it was a bunch of like stabbing at Joe's volcano and just a bunch of <laughs> right. shit like that. Of course. It had a for a nightclub. It had a very very long lifespan. It, yeah. it did, and those commercials. I mean, when I say incessant, I mean like incessant. And like more than cars for kids. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a new that's a East New York thing, but oh, okay. yes, it's 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 um it's a local radio thing mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I know I know the cars for kids oh, reference, but yeah, it's um it's like think of like a, a window tinting shop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah, that was the first thing. It was it was just it made me laugh when that and because because when I was watching the movie, I was like, I wonder if this is where that came from, and then of course it was. So um and it gave me flashbacks to being in the car with my parents when I was a kid. But uh your parents listened to some shitty radio <laughs> when you were a kid. I mean, there was nothing else to listen to. I mean, what do you? I mean, yeah. But um anyway, so. I Tom Hanks is one of my favorite actors of all time, if not my favorite actor of all time. And there's, it's really interesting to watch his trajectory um, as an actor and go from like, like almost seemingly overnight to go from this like straight up comedic actor to like being this very serious actor. Like there was no real step to that. It seemed like even if you look at his filmography, 
Um, and I think comedic Tom Hanks is kind of uh, really fun to watch. We actually, um, well, I, I won't go there for now, but um, I was going to reference an episode that's not out yet. But um, but yeah, so um, I, I, I always enjoy going back and seeing Tom Hanks uh, comedies that I haven't seen from that time period. So, you know, I enjoy watching that in that different context. I think that I really like when the movie leans into its weirdness and I think that it starts really weird. And I actually really love the first like 20 minutes of the movie because I think it's got some like really funny like production design type stuff. Like, I mean, it looks great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I love the way that it looks in, in like the, like the, you can really feel like the misery of his, his job and his work experience. And, um, and I like the setup of the movie. I think that towards the middle of the movie, it gets very, it kind of loses that weirdness for a chunk. Like when you see um, his character, like, you know, go shopping and then go to LA and then, and then, and then it starts to get a little bit weird again when it's, when he's, when they're on like the boat and stuff. And I honestly could have handled a little bit more weirdness. Um, And and I, and it it almost gets into like a little, like it, it starts really weird and dark. And again, it has that really like, they're really hammering the symbolism. And then it does get into the, once Meg Ryan shows up and it starts getting into the rom-com stuff, it starts to derail a little bit, but then well, it gets, it goes back into its weirdness. Once the, uh, the third take of Meg Ryan. Yes. Shows up. Yeah. Right. And I think, and it's specifically once you get like the, like the shipwreck stuff. Well, I mean, I guess a little before that it is. Cause there's that great scene that Jared and I were talking about earlier of the shark that is just so fucking funny. <laughs> it's uh, insane. It's that, so It's an, another puppet, Cody. Yeah. Another puppet. <laughs> yeah. Yet another puppet. And I think, I, I think if I have a, I mean, I, I think I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I think if I have a complaint, I think that it takes way too long to get to the island and I think they could have spent more time than like 15 minutes on the island. And I wish there was more of it because I think all of the island stuff is really funny. Um, and I was really, and I think that's the best part of the movie. So I, I definitely enjoyed it. I think it's just interestingly structured, uh, if anything. And, and like I said, I could, I, you know, bring on the weird. I, I wish it was like, you know, 20% weirder, but, but I, but I, yeah. it's an enjoyable thing. And look, I'm, I'm never going to complain about a Tom Hanks movie. I don't think. And, and he's so Tom Hanks in it, you know, mm, that right. like the the scene where he's dancing on the trunks to uh good luck or no, I'm sorry. It's what is he? Oh, uh, God damn it. I can't. Remember I know what now. you're talking but, about. But... You know, it's just like it's classic Tom Hanks just dancing like you'd expect him to. And it's yeah, it's never bad watching Tom Hanks do his thing. Yeah. Um. So like the uh, like Cody mentioned, um the uh the island stuff is really great and i don't know it, it's they're really subtle jokes about the island like how it was settled by like uh uh jews basically yeah and Ro- like a roman galley with yeah like jews romans jews and then it, the polynesian population and then like so, yeah they have Abe vagoda as the chief is the chief and then <laughs> like when they come out to greet uh to greet them to save them they're playing hava nagila hava nagila like this weird uh, and the orange soda thing, it's so it's such a weird little detail to put in. <laughs> yeah. And they just go so all out with the orange soda thing and I I love it so much. Yeah, um I, you know, I I I rewatching it, I remembered a lot of the beats going through it. Um you know, the the Aussie Davis stuff um that with the shopping and then the 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 second Meg Ryan in there. Uh, second Meg Ryan appearance. The, those are a little more traditional rom-commy stuff. Yeah, the second I, Meg I, Ryan is tough. 
Yeah. That, um, that weird affect she's doing is the so flipper- I'm yeah. a flipperty gibbet. Yeah, exactly. That's <sighs> if I'm a flipperty gibbet. I, Lloyd Bridges is so great, and I wish he was in more of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Lloyd Bridges but, and uh, I don't know the guy's name who does Wahoo Waturi, the, the boss. That scene. Oh, uh, Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya, yes. That scene, I reference it nonstop in my life. <laughs> the, I'm not arguing that with you. I'm not arguing. If I said that, I would be wrong. I know, I know he can the get job, the job, but can, can he do, do the job? job? <laughs> that scene is so perfect. And, you know, it. It. I don't know why, but. I don't know if you guys have ever had really shitty jobs in basements, mm-hmm. but like it, the look of that scene is just—it's so depressing. And yeah, it's so well oh, that, shot. That that opening, any all that opening before he like goes to the doctor is so great. Yeah, in uh, like the, the mood setting and the like the fluorescent lighting, uh, yeah. and his little like l- lamp, uh, like this little bright spot of hope, and it's just so well done. And like the even the little details, like the cream all clumped up in the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I also really love the the shot of uh, when he's leaving the doctor's office, and they do that really slow pan. Oh yes, to, uh, with the that giant Carlson building, and the do- the dog comes, and it's really like again, it's kind of like that uh, the uh, the scene I was talking about in Kings of Summer, where it's just great filmmaking that is just mm-hmm. you know one of those things that really works and isn't dialogue and is just all camera and lighting and so when they're doing that pull out and he's coming out of the doctor's office learning that he's gonna die and he hugs the great dane it's like man that's good filmmaking you know like they really drove the emotion of thinking that you're gonna die home and it and then it just transitions right into you know the rest of the craziness but like there's a lot of really great filmmaking in there and there's also a lot of really crappy rom-com stuff in there (laughs) The, and, you know, going back to that shot, I mean, that's a real place. Right. Like, that's the best part about, you know, re- watching these movies from 1990, you know, getting that physical feel of stuff. Like, there's matte paintings, of course, for sure, sure. and stuff. But, you know, that's a that's a real place that they found somewhere. Yeah. You know, and the and the, just, the like, the blankness and the drudgery of it all, uh, it really helps drive it home. Uh, you know, and the fact that they built that weird jagged sidewalk. Yeah. I, so I don't know. I'm sure you guys picked it up because, again, I keep saying that the ham-fisted symbolism. But, like, you know, the mm-hmm. cracked sidewalk is the same symbol from the, the of the, the factory. Wa- the... And then it's the mm-hmm. same lightning bolt that takes the bridge down – or, I mean, the boat down. And it's mm-hmm. like they keep playing that light, that same lightning bolt over and over again. And the factory, if when, when they – in the opening scene when they pull back to the factory, the – it's the same, uh, you know, the guy in the suit on the island who's telling the story of the volcano. You know, the he's like in a big wooden, like, bamboo suit. He's like the monster of the volcano. Right, right, right. So that, that guy, that face is actually the factory. So, you know, he the factory face is his face, which you don't kind of see until the end. But there's a lot of oh, stuff like that. I didn't like pick up on that one. Where they, they just like, you know, the the guy who wrote the movie obviously had a very clear vision of what he wanted it to be and i would i wonder if there is a longer version of this movie that wasn't cut down to you know 88 minutes that that is interesting to me because it, it, it's a very singular vision and um it's not something you see often in comedies i think there's i mean i i can name a maybe a handful of movies since then that are like comedies, but they're very singular in the vision like that. Um, I think um, 
um shit what is the will ferrell one where he's uh has the voice in his head that's emma thompson oh, oh stranger yeah. than fiction yeah stranger, stranger than fiction i think stranger than fiction is one of those um and i, I i'm drawing a blank on anything else but it, it's it's a it's a weird thing that happens so rarely uh in these big budget films and i i I do, like you said, I, I also wonder, you know, what it was something cut down for this? Because I don't think it's a bad movie and I don't think it's it's in any way, you know, truncated. But it, it does feel like there was more to this world. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like a film that was then cut down to be more of a rom-com. Uh, and I think you're right. Like, there, there aren't that many rom-coms anymore that are actual movies, you know. And I think they come along every once in a while and they get a lot of attention because people are like, oh, for a rom-com, that was pretty good. And I mm-hmm. think this was definitely uh, one of those. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure I've seen Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail. And, but, you know. I, I, yeah. that, You've Got Mail is a massive guilty pleasure for me. I f- love that goddamn movie. <laughs> I mean, I should just watch it. I love again. I'll watch Tom Hanks do anything. So. It's got it's got a weird thing in it, Jared. I don't know if you, if you've seen this movie recently, but uh, but uh, Tom Hanks's best friend is played by Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that was when that was when they were trying to squeeze Dave Chappelle in. There's actually a joke. Um, this goes back to the first episode of this where we were talking about you were talking about the uh, curriculum people. There's a joke in The Simpsons around that time where they like try to get Krusty to cast Dave Dave Chappelle in his show. <laughs> like it just doesn't make it's like, and he must have been like like 21 at the time. I wonder how but they were just because because I mean the the big thing that he broke out in was the Nutty Professor movie. How long after it was that? Well, the the Nutty Professor, the first one was ninety six. Okay, you've got mail was ninety eight, so it was right. It was kind of must have been on. Well, no, I, but I think his his. I mean, he was in the Nutty. He was in the Nutty Professor, but I think his uh, half baked was probably bigger for him, right? Well, half baked was ninety eight. So, okay. Well, maybe the yeah. Okay, never mind. I thought it was. I thought it was like ninety four. Never mind. That's my mistake. Sorry. Um. I had Where no were we idea at with this? He was uh, in Sleepers in Seattle. That's or it, wait, you got mail. You've got mail. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's yeah. He's like t- yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it, and it's, it's not. It's, it's not an insignificant part either. It's a pretty big supporting role as his like best friend. It's uh, <laughs> oh, he was. It, I'm thinking of Robin Hood Men in Tights. He was in in like '93 or '94. Oh no, it, and it's he got was like it's got a great cast too. You've got mail. Like Greg Kinnear is great in it. Steve Zahn, Parker Posey is really great in it. It's 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 a total like rom-com it's total rom-com bullshit but i but i've i've always really liked it and it's like very peak tom hanks where he's just like the most charming fucking guy that's ever existed yeah i mean it's i don't know if you guys feel this way but i just feel like if me and tom hanks met we'd be good friends yeah i feel like that yeah. with obama also i feel like, I, if I feel like you'd be good bit. friends with him too <laughs> no okay that's a kid uh yeah i i feel like obama you'd think he'd be cool but he's not like, he, <laughs> like he'd be a little like, bit too uh, like a little condescending it's like all right geez, well like relax obama yeah like he's not like he's not gonna sit down and watch like he's gonna sit down and watch like a, a like the news all the time <laughs> like he's not gonna sit down and like watch a movie with you he's gonna be like oh the mcneil lehrer report is on it doesn't i think tom hanks also collects uh typewriters and I, he does that is so weird and i love it 
he sends like uh, I've seen him. He sends like hand typed notes to people sometimes. <laughs> he also has a like his Instagram. He like loves to take pictures of discarded gloves. Like, just <laughs> I remember that. If he, whenever he sees a single glove. He was also in a Carly Rae Jepsen video for I really, 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 really like you, which is amazing. Yeah, really? For all you Carly heads out there. <laughs> I, I forgot how young he looked at a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like he looks really young in this movie. He's like I think his mid thirties, but he looks really baby faced. Yeah, I mean, I also loved Bosom Buddies when I was a kid. Which I wonder if you can find Bosom Buddies anywhere. Oh, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Um, I I was a big fan of uh, uh Big, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the one thing I actually have never seen, and I don't know why it's escaped me, but I've never seen The Burbs. Oh, it's good. I haven't uh, either, actually. Yeah. Have Have you seen the Money Pit? Oh yeah. Oh, I love the Money Pit. Pit's really, I forgot funny. about the Money Pit. That's him and uh, Shelley Long, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And well, you know, and there's also one of the, I think it's Corey Feldman is also in the Burbs. It's, it's yeah, Corey one. Feldman's in the Corey Feldman was in Gremlin, the first Gremlins too. Oh, right. It all comes around. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm I. I know that this movie, this is one of those things where I tell people it's like one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie, and people are just like, really? <laughs> That's your favorite movie? But I just, it's so comforting. It's so just like hits me in just the right spot. I've seen it probably like 35 times. You know, it's, I just love it. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it too. It, it's, you know, it, it's fine for the, 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 when it gets into the rom-com part, it's it's still it's still not a bad movie. Yeah. But I, the weirdness is it w- really draws me into it. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm going to have to look up the director and see what else he's done. I mean, I know he did Moonstruck. That I think he maybe even won an Oscar for Moonstruck. Um, but he I he mean, did, he I I I looked at he did do Doubt. He wrote, directed it and wrote the play, which is, is such a weird <laughs> Yeah, like from He's also very active on Twitter. Really? Yeah, like he's got a bunch of videos on Twitter right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Moonstruck anytime recently, but I watched that one uh, in quarantine also, and it's just such a fantastic movie. Well, he didn't direct Moonstruck. He didn't. Did he? Did he, he just write he it? Wrote it? He wrote it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was directed by Norman Jewison. I see. Okay, but it's such a great movie. Gr- classic, weird Nicolas Cage overacting. It's so good. Yeah, I guess he hasn't. Well, he hasn't really directed much, from what I'm finding. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Looks, he kind of reminds me of. Um, in, in fact, the only two movies he's directed are Joe versus the volcano and Doubt. Wow. Well, it's like, um, what was uh, the the John the John Cusack movie, um, Better Off Dead? Oh yeah, with Savage Steve Holland. Like he just kind of disappeared into like cartoons after doing uh, like Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. Oh, I it figures he did. I, that's actually One Crazy Summer I watched during quarantine also. That is very hard to watch, and it's it does not hold up for me. Yeah, um, yeah, some of those are are a little a little tough, but yeah, he just kind of went into TV, and and that was it. He apparently uh, was also an animator on uh, Pressure Luck, the Whammy. Oh yeah, no Whammy. Uh, well, yeah, cool. So, uh, Cody, what did you think of it? Ultimately, Uh, overall, I think it's, I think it's, it's good. I, I, like I said, I, I wish it would have leaned into the, the weirdness a little bit more. Um, and I think that middle chunk is, is 
a, a bit generic feeling. Um, that said, when it's funny, it's really funny. When it's weird, it's really weird, and I really appreciated that part. It just feels like it feels like there's a piece of the film. I, I think I agree with what you were saying. Is I, I kind of wonder if there is a, there's more to the story where it it maintained that level of weirdness and maybe you know they had to shoehorn in something a little bit more traditional, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I've laughed out loud multiple times through it. And again, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to dislike watching Tom Hanks, especially because Tom, like comedy, Tom Hanks, and then like actor Tom Hanks are two, in my opinion, very different experiences. They're both great, but, um, I, I kind of miss Tom Hanks being the comedy guy quite a bit. Yeah. When, when did he veer into, was it like post Forrest Gump that he became? It was probably Philadelphia, serious? right? Philadelphia, right? Well, because well, Forrest Gump is is a drama, but it's got comedy in it yeah. too. So he did um, the first, and he did like the Lady Killers, and um, oh, the Terminal a... is kind of a rom com. But but yeah, he did like his big movies in nineteen nineteen ninety was Joe versus Volcano, ninety two was A League of Their Own, ninety three was Sleepless in Seattle, and then Philadelphia, and then Forrest mm, Gump right okay. after that. So right, so the Apollo thirteen um, was right after that. It, it, that thing you do is a comedy. That thing you do, um, I really like. Um, so watchable. I have it, so watchable that movie. There's a there's a longer cut that I've heard about. I think it's on DVD or Blu-ray. I've never watched it where it fleshes out his character more. Hmm. And he's actually gay. The character's gay, and he's has a I don't know, not a husband, but like a boyfriend. The what's his name, Mister White, in the film? I, 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 I have it. not seen it in so long. It's such a it's a really good rewatchable movie too. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I didn't know that there was a longer version. I actually would really like to see that. I love that yeah. song too. I will listen to that song sometimes. That's the uh, the guy that just died, right? The Fountains of Wayne. Yeah. Um, oh, really? He wrote that song? Yeah. I did yeah. not yeah. know that. It was uh, Adam Schlesinger, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. Um, anyway, we've kind of got off a tangent. Tom Hanks tangent here. So uh, again, thank you, Santos. Now I'll wrap the show up properly. <laughs> yeah, do it right <laughs> now. We're actually done. Yeah, I forget. I, I, we talked about two movies, and I was like, oh, that's it. Um, thanks a lot for joining. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a great time. So uh, um, get uh, your plugs in if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, what you want people to do? Uh, listen to. It's kind of the same. Uh, check out Old Man Gloom. We have two new records, actually, and a new EP. And uh, the EP is songs that didn't make it on the record, but after all of the protests and things have started, we decided to release them as a digital EP, and all of the money is going to go towards organizations, uh, you know, that are working with various Black Lives Matter protests and aspects and bail, things like that, and some other COVID, like Navajo Nation COVID stuff. So all that money from those EPs is going to be funneled into organizations that we are supporting. So, yeah, maybe that's the main plug on this one. Go to Bandcamp, Old Man Gloom, and buy our EP um, and help out some good causes. Very cool. Um, You can find our other uh, podcasts uh, that Cody and I do. Uh, The Cinestop Podcast, we review uh, VOD movies right now that theaters are out of commission. Also, re-MCU, where we are re-watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cody, you've got a music podcast. Yeah, it's called Medium Fidelity, uh, or Glide Magazine's Medium Fidelity. We interview musicians. We've got two episodes up. We have uh, Nick DeSalvo from Elder, and we have uh, Santos uh, on our most recent episode. And then also, if you want to listen to something different, I'm on The Ramble uh, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays with uh, 
Jerry Rocha and Eddie Pence. Cool. Um, yeah, you, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnob Critic. And I think that's it. Again, thank you, Santos, no very, very much My for joining us. This pleasure, was a lot guys. of fun. Thanks for asking me. I really liked it. Cool. Uh, Cody, anything before we go? Mm, no, I just want to gloat that I uh, that I pulled another victory uh, in this. In this, I don't even know. We don't even know the score anymore. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of gone. It doesn't really matter. I didn't that, this was the. I didn't know it was a competition. I've man. I didn't know that I was that I was gonna like get involved in some power. Well, struggle. you ruined my night. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed both of them. That's that was um, yeah. That's that's a, a always the the end goal here is to have some fun. Uh, so yeah, uh, well, I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. 